0: The Colby Daniels Podcast. What's going on, everyone? Happy Thursday as we get ready for another weekend of college football and the NFL. We had a little bit of a break as far as Big Twelve Country and the Big Twelve essentially being on by. Big thanks to Baylor for aiding in that process. But finally, we are back to game week for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State how much does the Red River rivalry win for the Sooners? Maybe catapult them forward as far as playing better in the weeks to come. And as far as Oklahoma State Iowa State goes, I think right now these are the top two teams in the conference and this is a big matchup that I'm really excited to watch. As always, this weekend we have pregame coverage beginning at 9 o'clock, two hours before Oklahoma's kickoff. It is Mike Steely and myself. You can find the link on my Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels. I will tweet it right at 9 o'clock. Come hang out with us for an hour as we get you ready for this Oklahoma TCU matchup and again big thank you to everybody that has checked that out over the last few weeks also want to let you know we have a daily live stream coming up you can view the same way at Colby_Daniels underscore Daniels on Twitter I will tweet that link daily you can watch the live stream after the live stream's over I will get it uploaded to YouTube so you can watch it there if you don't catch it live and then the audio version is going to be available on all the podcast platforms. So look for that. Again, daily live stream. I will then upload the video to YouTube and the audio version will be available on all the podcast platforms. Feel free to get in touch with me at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, Colby.daniels on Instagram. If you want to talk about the show, if you want to talk about any topics that we discuss, or if you have questions or comments or or you want to throw out an idea of what you would like to hear us discuss, then uh, shoot me a message on either Twitter or Instagram. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. It would be a huge help if you rated the podcast and reviewed the podcast. Really appreciate all of you guys for doing that. And here's our guest today on the Colby Daniels podcast. Aaron Davis on the podcast today. Aaron, what's going on, man? not much how's it going it's going well uh we kind of had a week off last week the big 12 in general had the week off I know West Virginia Kansas played but did anybody really watch that game it was kind of nice to to just sit back and and take in everything else
1: yeah I mean who I mean nobody's watching uh I, I already forgot who played it was West Virginia and who Kansas you can't uh, yeah. we can't you just said it 30 seconds ago and uh yeah last weekend was uh a good off weekend. Uh, I was still able to enjoy some NFL, though, but I'm getting completely spoiled at this point because I'm getting, like, games on Tuesdays, two games on Mondays. Like, I'm, I'm pretty much at a point where, you know, we're getting one day a week where we don't have football.
0: Yeah, sign me up for the Monday night doubleheader, by the way. How many of those have we had this year? I don't know how many, but they've been awesome, especially when they start at 4 p.m. I am all in on that. I, I had work to do the other day, and I hadn't even finished by 4 p.m., so I just ended up going to the back porch, turning the game on out there, taking my laptop. And I just I had the game on at 4 p.m. as I was working on a few things. But, yeah, I'm I'm completely in on a Monday night doubleheader, especially if it starts at 4 p.m.
1: Yeah. So we played, what, six weeks in the NFL season and three of them have had Monday night doubleheaders with a right. Tuesday game sprinkled in.
0: Yeah. And a Tuesday. Yeah. I could do Tuesday night football as well. It feels a little bit better than Thursday night football it does because
1: it feel it's a capper you know it caps yeah, off right. the week on tuesday instead of just starting the week off with some shitty game <laughs> like the eagles and giants
0: dude thursday night football is not good and we all understand that but not even thursday night football deserves the nfc east
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad they put it on thursday and not monday or sunday like they usually would
0: it's oh that what an embarrassing conference it's that none of those teams deserve to make the playoffs. <laughs> Those are probably four of the top six or seven worst teams in the entire NFL. It's a complete mess. One of those teams is going to be in a a playoff situation.
1: And yet one of them uh, fired Jason Garrett and another one just hired Jason Garrett. So they clearly are self-sabotaging and do not want to be good.
0: Yeah, yeah. What a mess. What a mess. Uh, let's, Let's jump into Oklahoma because... I, they are a really interesting storyline for me. They lose two games back-to-back. It's, it's kind of unprecedented for a lot of OU fans. I mean, we haven't seen it, it since the 90s. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, their backs are against the wall going into a rivalry game. That was as big a, a just wild roller coaster dumpster fire type football game that you can get. But look, never apologize for a win. And I think that was an enormous win, despite what it may have looked like for Oklahoma to bounce back. And now they're able to to get a little bit of positive momentum. They have a week off, which I thought was probably perfect timing for them to go into this TCU game. But, you know, at the same time, I, I'm not foolish enough to just think that because they won the Red River rivalry against a bad Texas team in four overtimes that all the problems are fixed.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't understand how you can watch that game in. I mean, it, well, Four overtimes against, like you said, a Texas team. But I just the game was so sloppy, and I think people get caught up in the game kind of being dramatic through the overtime periods and going to overtime. And Texas making that first off, they should have never went to overtime. OU blew a fourteen point lead in that fourth quarter. That uh, I mean, it was, I'm trying to remember. It's been a couple of weeks, obviously, but I want to say there was what like less than eight minutes left. Seven something minutes like left. that. And they were seven minutes, and yep. they were up two touchdowns. I mean that's just an inexcusable lead to blow. You you would think, and it really feels like old OU teams. You know the Jalen Hurts, the Kyler Murray, the Baker Mayfield led OU Lincoln Riley teams. They're at least going to get the ball back. They might give up that touchdown to make it a one score game, but the offense is going to get back. They're going to burn clock down. They're going to go down and they're going to score another touchdown or at least get a field goal and seal that game up late. Because there were a lot of you know scenarios with those teams that. Where the defense let the game get too close or so they blew the lead, but the offense was always accountable to do what they needed to do to win those games. And obviously they did it against Texas because they ended up winning, but they just put themselves in a situation that wasn't, it wasn't a situation that they really needed to be in. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that. Spencer rather, the arm talent is it's it's obviously there like you can't deny the arm talent the natural arm talent that he has throwing the ball is evident but I, I and I said this the last time I was on with you it just they don't have that go-to guy on offense they don't have that guy that can just go make a play at the end of a game right now they don't have a CeeDee Lamb or a, a Hollywood Brown or a Rodney Anderson or a Kyler Murray they just don't they don't have anybody reliable right now it just kind of it feels like they're treading water and every like 30 seconds they start to sink under the water and they freak out and a couple times they've managed to save themselves and a couple times they've sank
0: yeah no that's that's uh that's exactly right and and look I, I think to to that point despite the fact that that's been the, ca- the case they ran the ball better than they've run the ball all season long against Texas TJ Pledger and Marcus Major I think you know both stepped up in a big way Theo Weiss, I thought had some big moments and that's a guy that I've been high on since he got to Oklahoma and it was good to see them kind of feature him in the offense in the second half. And, and, you know, there was that drive where he just completely took over and and they threw him the ball like every snap. Um, I, I still, uh, still feel like, uh, Austin Stogner needs to be a a bigger part of the offense and maybe featured within the offense. And so I, I think all of those things are true. But at the seven-minute mark, like, I I put so much on the coaching staff in in the situation against Texas because at the seven-minute mark, they had held Texas to 17 points and, like, 162 yards with seven minutes left in the game. Texas was averaging 51 points and 517 yards a game going into that football game. And they had 17 points, 162 yards, with seven minutes left in regulation. And at that point, Oklahoma called off the dogs. They wave that white flag that they they do in the fourth quarter and they start going with a three-man rush. And luckily at that point, Texas, they drove the field, but they threw an interception in the end zone. And so Oklahoma delayed that comeback just a little bit, and then and then Texas scores their final two touchdowns with less than four minutes to go. But at the seven minute mark, it was like, why are you why are you all of a sudden like taking your foot off the gas? There are still seven minutes to play. And they went from being completely dominant defensively to we're going to sit back and go into prevent mode. And as soon as they did that, Texas more than doubled their entire yardage for the entire game in the final seven minutes, in the final three drives of the game. It was mind-blowing to me, and I put that on the coaches. I mean, that is a, that's a coaching thing. The players were doing their job when they were put in the right position, and then the coaches decided we're going to completely change everything we're doing on both sides of the football because there are seven minutes left and we're up by two touchdowns.
1: I mean that's a I mean that's a, that's a really a good point and you could go back to the Iowa State and the Kansas State game every three out of the four games that OU have played this year and Missouri State does not count let's let's just throw them out it's Missouri State it's Week One they did what they should do against that team you would think t- a lot of team last year on OU or two years ago they would have beat Missouri State by 60, 100. Which a hundred yeah I mean, I mean th- re- that team
0: could have beat. Missouri State, I hope. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're right. Yeah, they kind of, but like you said, they kind of put their foot off the gas in the second half. But Iowa State, Iowa State outscored on twenty-four to thirteen in the second half. They lose by seven. Kansas State scored them seventeen, outscored them seventeen to nothing in the fourth quarter. They lose by three. I mean, when you're when you are getting outscored by such a large margin at the end of the games, and you end up losing by one score, I mean, yeah, that means you had bigger leads earlier in the game, and for whatever reason, the coaching staff decided we need to play conservative now and i don't know if that's because on offense they just don't trust the quarterback to make the right reads and make the right plays late in the game right now and they don't i i just don't know who it is to me it's you're right it's bad coaching and it's a lack of trust in the guys that they have because we know these guys can be good coaches they've proven that
0: absolutely yeah i'm I, i'm not suggesting that they're bad coaches by any means i just think that they they made an error in that situation and your point about trust is absolutely valid Neither side of the football, I think, to this point, has earned the trust of the coaching staff. And so if if you're telling me that the coaching staff made those moves because they don't trust the offense to not turn the ball over, because they don't trust the defense to just play assignment-sound football and not give up the big play, I totally get that. But you're going to give up the big play no matter what, so you might as well continue doing what has made you successful for the entire day. And again, this is going back to two weeks ago, uh, going – do what you've done successfully for the entire day until you're at a point where mathematically it makes more sense to make Texas use the clock. With seven minutes left, Texas had three possessions in the final seven minutes of the game. Like, right. and you know, they you're only got up by st- two touchdowns. It makes zero sense to go into that mode that early with that amount of time left.
1: Especially when I know that a lot of people don't like him, but you know that they have a star quarterback on the other side of the field that can make plays and has played in this game now, what, like 45 times he's played in OU Texas game. Like he's used to the situation. He's used to the environment, which I mean, let's be, that environment wasn't even an OU Texas environment. It was basically like any other game to, to those guys, uh, you know, as far as the crowd goes. So, I mean, you can't, you can't put the ball in a guy like Sam Ellinger's hands that has so much experience and is super talented, and be conservative and, you know, kind of back off and give them options, let them run, uh, you know, give them open receivers. Like, he's going to he's gonna beat you every time if you're not aggressive.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, to your point, I mean, regardless of how you feel about Sam Ellinger, he's good enough that if you're not putting any pressure on him, he can stand in the pocket, make throws, or do something with his legs. I mean, he's good enough that if you're not going to go after him, he can beat you. And we saw that, obviously, in the final three drives. They go right down the football field. Luckily, again, for OU – if Sam Ellinger doesn't throw that interception on the, the drive that started with about seven minutes to go, we might have been talking about Texas scoring three straight touchdowns and winning the game in regulation instead of just tying it and going to overtime. I mean, it was it was shocking to me. And then, you know, once again, I, I felt like in, in the third overtime, the whole idea that you block the Texas field goal and then you're going to sacrifice your advantage of you know, just the matchup with the Texas defense who had been just dreadful and you had just scored touchdowns on back-to-back overtime possessions, that you're just going to sacrifice that opportunity to let the offense win the game and kick a field goal on second down? Like, that That was my... The Texas defense isn't good. They hadn't been good. You had just scored on them. Even if you want to go conservative with your play calls to just basically bail out the Texas defense for two snaps because you could have gone second and third down... To just completely give them a pass in that situation and settle for the field goal to me was also just incredibly mind-blowing.
1: What did you think of the clock mishap?
0: Yeah, I mean, that was... that was. I didn't realize it, I think, in the moment. I didn't either. But when I saw it in the aftermath, I was like, that. I don't know how you screw that up that bad. That was pretty egregious.
1: Big 12 reps, man. Yeah. Uh, is there any scenario... I Obviously... The best oh you can do is eight and two at this point. And that's the best case scenario that every game gets played and they win out, which it's the big twelve. They absolutely could win out through the rest of the the schedule. I mean, they got what TCU at TCU at tech, Kansas, Oklahoma State at home at West Virginia versus Baylor. I really I am having a hard time getting a real read on Oklahoma State. I think their defense is pretty good, but, the offense, I I just haven't seen them play enough so far to really gauge how good they are. Are they the sixth best team in the nation? I don't know. But is there a scenario where you could see Alex Grinch leaving? I think or Lincoln Riley. I think Lincoln Riley is more of a long shot. But there's NFL jobs opening up every year. Um, is there a scenario that plays out that you could see either of them leaving?
0: Yeah, I think so. And and I think it's an added worry if you're an Oklahoma fan just because of the climate of the world. Like when you when you take into account just wanting to coach football and evaluating what you can do with that at the next level and you don't have as many moving parts as the college game and, you know, the university and, and all of that to worry about. It's a it's a much smaller group that has to give you a green light to play football if if, you know, all of this continues into 2021 and and however so yeah I think if you're a college coach and you have any desire to go to the NFL I think that's probably magnified with what we've experienced over the last several months
1: yeah definitely I mean it it could force a mindset where you know Lincoln Riley is potentially thinking in the back of his head last year he's like yeah I'd like to go to the NFL one day but I'm still young maybe I'll go in 10 years 15 years but now he's like I don't know I might should jump on this opportunity now because who knows I mean We've seen it this year. Who knows what the world's going to be like in 10 years. The NFL, NFL may not be around. We don't know. Like The it's, the world is completely unpredictable right now. So I think it's a long shot personally. I think that this team is so young at OU that Lincoln Riley is at least going to ride out this class, this freshman class, and see what he can do with them. I mean, Spencer Rattler, I talked about this uh, on our old show. Spencer Rattler is kind of Lincoln Riley's baby. It was like the first quarterback that he really went out and throughout Spencer Rattler's entire high school Uh, span Lincoln Riley was there recruiting him talking to him trying to get him to come to OU and it's just tough for me to imagine a scenario where unless he just can't stand the kid where he says I'm going to give up on him after one year but I mean you never know like like I said this world is completely unpredictable at this point
0: yeah no I I think that's that's where I'm at as well I, I would expect that Lincoln Riley comes back and and again saying that I think there's a better chance now than maybe before that he leaves doesn't mean I think he's leaving I just think if we're putting a percentage on that before it was probably like 5% and now maybe it's at like 15 or 20, it's still a very low percentage. And I still think that he is the head coach at Oklahoma for a long time. And, and, you know, again, I think that's, that's just a feel thing when you hear him talk about coaching the college game and how much he enjoys it. Like none of us really know what the truth is, but I find him to be very believable when he's saying that stuff. And sometimes, you know, I think we, we hear coaches talk and, and we're like, this guy's lying through his teeth. He he obviously doesn't believe what he's telling us. And maybe I'm wrong, but I believe Lincoln Riley, when he says that, I, I feel like those are genuine words when he says how much he likes coaching the college game. But yeah, again, just the the uncertainty of the world and, you know, the the, I guess, political aspect of college athletics, to me, at least would make it more tempting to evaluate an nfl position and and maybe see that in a different way
1: well i mean good news is uh if you're no U fan of lisa i don't think alex grinch is doing anything to help his stock to get a, a job somewhere else so look forward to having both those guy, guys guys yeah. back
0: yeah um yeah that's that's it's not good and you know luckily for him the defense played their asses off in the red river rivalry because i can't imagine what the temperature is in in that dc office if he loses the red river rivalry and the defense once again has another catastrophe like they had the previous two weeks i mean it's it's not a good situation
1: yeah he's uh I, i'll give a it's kind of tough to be too critical on alex Rich. i mean it's easy for a lot of people OU fans but when you sit back, it's kind of tough because he doesn't really... I mean, he doesn't have the dudes he wants yet. I mean, he's coming in, and he's hes having to play an undersized Buki who is just a complete mismatch with any receiver that's taller than six feet tall. And There's nothing he can really do. All Buki can do is just, you know, hold or commit pass interference to even give himself a chance of not letting the guy catch the ball. Uh, you know, they lost Kenneth Murray. They lost Gallimore grinch no, just doesn't motley.
0: I mean, motley yeah i mean or grinch no, is just was really good last year
1: he was yeah absolutely yeah. I mean, he's you know he made he's playing with the uh bugs getting on the roster there so grinch is just he's playing with a lot of dudes that you look back now in hindsight and you're like why would they bring those guys in like i just the mindset or the thought process of these are the difference makers that we're going to get on defense it's kind of tough plus they don't have ronnie perkins their best edge rusher they don't have right now i mean
0: I mean just be- best defender. He he's their right. best defensive player.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So uh it's kind of tough to be real critical of Alex Grinch cuz he's I mean he's tried to make chicken salad out of chicken shit.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Although I, I would I would say this and and everything you mention, you know, losing those players, I mean, when you go back to last year's defense, I think it's fair to say the best four defensive players from last year's team were in no particular order, Neville Gallimore, Kenneth Murray, Parnell Motley, and Ronnie Perkins. One of those guys is out with a suspension and you don't know how much of a distraction that's been. The other three guys were all are all in the NFL and are all guys that were leaders in their position groups. So not only are you losing talent on the field, but you're losing, you know, a a leadership and, and, you know, mentality type leader guy in, in each of those position groups. But like there was improvement a year ago. And to, I think the frustrating part is, nobody expect, again, nobody expects the problem to just be magically fixed. But to see them regress basically back to square one when Alex Grinch got the job, I think, is where people are the most frustrated. Those guys were tremendous playmakers. But to see everybody else kind of revert back to looking lost most of the time, missing tackles, committing penalties... You know, all, not getting a pass rush, bad coverage, like all of those things that we've talked about for so long. To, for all of that to just go basically back to the start is incredibly frustrating. It has to be.
1: And I mean, that's that's been a frustration for OU fans all decade. I mean, they'll get you know three games to start the season, and it looks like the defense is finally taking that step forward. And then they they regress throughout the season. Big Twelve play, they go back to what they were the year before. And other than last year, I mean, that's that's been the case since Lincoln Riley has taken over. There just has never been that, that step forward to give you some hope. They finally had it last year. And like we said, they've lost so many key players that, and you no, know, no camp and all that stuff plays a part, obviously with, with all the COVID stuff. But I, I don't know. I, I guess all things considered, but being COVID games being up in the air every week, it's, it's really, I mean, we, I'm going to be critical at uh, of them because it's just, you know, it's what we're doing. We're talking about sports. It's it's we're critical or we praise them, but yeah, it's really tough to be critical of anybody in this scenario in this world and college football just because I mean these kids, there's no practice, no camp. Every week, like I said, is up in the air. It's just you like you're right. You the regression is the problem. Yeah. They're back at square. The, the
0: regression one. is the problem and, and everything you're saying is true. But I mean, I think we can, we can evaluate other teams in the conference and say that they haven't taken as far a step back as Oklahoma has. I mean, whether they're good or bad, like it it feels like Oklahoma has taken a big step back in that area. And no matter what you feel about the high end of anybody else, does it look like everybody else is regressing as well? Like, I, I don't know that I get that feeling.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't know that other than Oklahoma State, any of the teams I've seen in the Big 12 have really progressed,
0: but... Well, yeah, that, again, if you stay neutral, so be it. You know, again, wh- for what yeah. you said, nobody had a spring for players to, to, you know, get better. Nobody had the the normal fall situation leading up to the season for players to get better and for you to have some physicality and for you to be able to build chemistry and all. So we understand that, I think, collectively, but... You know if that were the case everywhere then you're like okay it makes sense like everybody is is regressing in that department and that's not the case not everybody is regressing so that's that's the part where i I think we have to pump the brakes a little bit on on maybe giving him that out certainly there's there's an expectation because of that that you're not going to improve drastically but not everybody is essentially going back to square one either
1: yeah that's true yeah
0: how do you feel about Oklahoma State, Iowa State this weekend? Because I, I think if you're putting together a Big 12 power poll right now, these are the the one and two teams in the league. And, and I, I you know, again, it's still very early in the season. And if you want to tell me we haven't seen enough of anybody to really put out a legitimate power poll, I totally get that. But I think Oklahoma State and Iowa State right now have at least shown enough that I, I'm really excited for this matchup and to see how they look against each other.
1: I think defensively, these are probably the two defenses so far in the Big 12 that you can rely on that you can count on week to week to at least show up and give you the performance that they need to give you. Given Oklahoma State we're you know, I'm praising their defense and saying they're really good, but it's not like they played a, you know, a force force offense that you know is going to test anybody I mean, they play Tulsa West Virginia and Kansas I mean it's not like they're playing like I said world beaters on offense but they're showing up they're playing well I I don't know how I feel about Gundy and he might have changed his tune on this or you know really made a decision but I don't know how I feel about him possibly playing both quarterbacks in this game I just I'm not a big proponent of two quarterback systems playing two quarterbacks in the game because i You know we all know that rhythm is such an important thing in football and when you're you know going in and out it's kind of tough to get that rhythm I think Ellingworth has been good but I I mean I think you got to go back to Spencer Sanders Spencer Sanders has proven over the last uh, you know full season last year and then he obviously only played a couple of snaps this year but he's he's very dynamic he's the future of your program at the quarterback position for the next couple of years I think you got to go back to Spencer Sanders and give him a chance But, you know, Tyler Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, like they've got the playmakers at Oklahoma State. And on paper, they should, in my opinion, win this conference. But if another team is going to compete, like you said, Iowa State's right there. They've got the experience on offense with Brock Purdy. The defenses have experienced and good. I think this is going to be a good game. I don't expect it to be 50 to 48. I expect this game to be 27 to 24, but Of course, it's the Big 12, so it'll probably end up being 50 to 45.
0: Well, it depends. if I mean, if we're going to build up like Brees Hall and Chuba Hubbard, then it's going to turn into a defensive battle. But if we build up these being the best two defenses in the league, then, you know, it'll turn into a shootout. That's right. just the way it seems to work at the Big 12. When you feel like you want to promote a game a certain way, it, it has a tendency to just, you know, go the complete opposite direction. But look, I, I think at this point, it's fair to wonder what Mike Gundy's going to do with the quarterbacks and assume that it's going to be the wrong decision. Like no matter what it is, <laughs> like yeah. my expectation is no matter which way he goes with this, I'm going to be like, yep, that was the wrong decision. Uh, because it just, it feels like he just constantly picks the wrong guy over and he, over and over. And with Spencer Sanders, I mean, what he got hurt on the second drive of two, the season.
1: He, yeah. He threw two passes in that first game. Yeah.
0: Second drive of the season. So Spencer Sanders is the guy unless he gets out there and just shits the bed and obviously just has no business being out there then he's the guy he he has more versatility he has more experience and that's you know I think Shane Illingworth is a really good player he's he's shown that but he's inexperienced and you know you have an opportunity to go win the conference right now with a talented guy that has more experience so you know this is a no-brainer this isn't going with a guy, you know, for the sake of him being a four-year starter over a guy that's clearly more talented. This is two talented guys and one of them has more experience. So it's a no-brainer. Spencer Sanders is your starter unless he's a complete catastrophe. I I don't think Shane Illingworth should get on the football field this weekend. I mean, this is Spencer Sanders show unless he proves otherwise.
1: Gutty's going to come out Saturday morning and just say, man, you know, I couldn't decide between the two guys, between Sanders and Ellingworth, so we're just going to start Bullock because I couldn't decide. I didn't want to pick a favorite with those two guys. We're just going to go with Bullock, make it easy on ourselves. But <laughs> you, you would think he's that Oklahoma He's been taking State, the
0: snaps in practice, so... Right, that,
1: you know, he's... yeah. You, you would think that Oklahoma State's defense is good enough that it's going to give them that ability to give Spencer Sanders a shot early in the game and gauge where he's at and see if he's the guy that's going to be able to win that game for you or you know if you're gonna have to put Illingworth in there and Sanders just isn't ready whether it's mentally or physically but you would think the defense like I said could keep the game close enough that you can at least gauge Spencer Sanders
0: yeah yeah and you got to feel for Casey Dunn I I think because he inherits what a lot of people felt like was a top five offense in college football you've got a dual threat quarterback that has some experience under his belt now and, and has this opportunity to come back maybe a little bit smarter. And that was really the big knock on him a year ago, you know, freshman mistakes. That's going to happen to everybody. Uh, now he's he's through that. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball. He has a tremendous skill set. He has chemistry with the, the group of receivers that he's throwing the ball to, including a guy that is, you know, one of the best receivers in the country. You've got a running back that you could make the argument is the best back in the country. And I think we all can say that you know watching the first 2 weeks of college football everybody's offensive line struggled and you know when you don't when you're not able once again the two things that make an offensive line good are physicality and chemistry and when you don't have a lead up to the season like you normally have then you don't practice with any physicality and you're not able to develop any chemistry with those five guys and and so i think you know collectively we saw that being an issue across the board I'm not saying that they're good. I'm not saying they're bad. It's still an, a kind of unknown for me. It's, it's something that I'm aware of and want to pay attention to. But, you know, it, they weren't running the football well. Some of that might have been losing the quarterback and defense is able to just focus on that part. Some of that, I think, is the offensive line trying to find their footing early in the season. But you're now at a point where you've had some time, you've had a couple weeks off, you have a healthy quarterback. I'm really interested to see how Casey Dunn is able to use all of this to get the offense rolling because they've been underwhelming
1: yeah absolutely and you know Chuba Chuba didn't have to come back Chuba could have went to the NFL Tyler Wallace could have went to the NFL and they both decided to come back to Oklahoma State I mean you can't you can't blow that I mean you get two studs like that two playmakers two of the you know top guys at those positions in Oklahoma State history you I mean you got to capitalize on that especially when OU's down this year because, I mean, who knows? OU is probably not going to be playing like they are for, one, the rest of the season, and definitely not next year. I mean, you got to capitalize on this. If this is your opportunity, if you're Mike Gundy and that staff and that program, this is your best opportunity to win this conference and get into the playoffs. Like, you have to capitalize yeah. on this season. You cannot lose. As good as Iowa say it is, you need to win this game. You need, well, Obviously, you need to win all your games. But, you know, they can't go out and lose a game to TCU – in week 10 they can't lose to iowa state in the last game of the season like this is the season where the coaches have to be ready and they have to coach the best that they've coached in years the players have to be ready and they just they're loaded with talent i mean on paper they're probably the most talented team in the big 12.
0: yeah i mean you can make the argument i I think from top to bottom that's still oklahoma for me but i mean oklahoma state is probably next um from a talent standpoint again top to bottom i just think oklahoma Probably has a little more depth. The depth, uh, yeah. But look, Oklahoma State is is has more depth defensively than maybe they've ever had. This is I've, I've had people say this is even before the season started. This has a chance to be the best defense in school history. That group has done nothing to to say otherwise to this point. At least they've played really well. You have one of the greatest receivers and running backs in school history. Once again, you have a returning quarterback that has a tremendous skill set. If there was ever a year to To do something in this league this is it and I said before the season I think anything short of a Big 12 championship appearance would be a letdown I, I think you'd have to be disappointed if Oklahoma State doesn't at least get to the conference title game but that probably is even you know greater when you consider both Oklahoma and Texas being in the situation they're in I mean what else do you need as far as the path being clear to go take that that leadership spot in this conference in
1: 2020? Yeah. I mean, Texas has two conference losses. Oklahoma, does Texas have three conference losses, actually? Two. Two, okay, that's what, that's what I it thought. It should
0: be three. They should have lost to Texas Tech, but Texas Tech decided to turn that's into right. the Atlanta Falcons.
1: <laughs> Oklahoma has two conference losses. I mean, yeah. the, the ball is in Oklahoma State's court. They even have the luxury to when was the last time they had the luxury to lose to lose a conference game hell they could lose two conference games and still beat out OU in the conference which it's possible you, you can't blow this season this season is so important to this program to do what they need to do what they are capable of doing because let's be honest Oklahoma's probably gonna be at the top of the conference next year they're probably not gonna come
0: out and lose two
1: out of their first four games next year
0: it's just not gonna happen yeah well, look, I, I'm curious to see what Oklahoma does the rest of the way. Like, I was asked this the other day, and I, it's it's a crazy question because I think both are possible. What's more likely to happen? Oklahoma runs the table, or Oklahoma loses two more games.
1: All right, I could definitely see them losing to Oklahoma, and oh, I see. I could definitely see Oklahoma losing to Oklahoma State and
0: throwing a wild card. They're yeah. you know they're pretty good at losing a random game. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me to see them lose two more games. It also wouldn't shock me to see them run the table again. They're they're yeah. extremely talented. It's it's not like there are bad football players there. For whatever reason, they just they have a failure of putting it all together right now and the self-inflicted wounds, I mean, every week.
1: And I, and look at it this way too. In a normal season, the amount of games that these teams have played, they're just now starting conference play. Yep. And we all know you cannot gauge a team based on their non-conference schedule. Even if they play a tough non-conference schedule, it's not really the true barometer or test of what that team is going to be at the end of the season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's working through things early in the year. So, uh, you know, it's one of those, when, when we talk about the college football playoff, it's why I, I always say a loss late in the season to me weighs more heavy than a loss early in the season. Because you're a different team. I mean, it, you know, I think it's more damning to lose late in the season because that's closer to a finished product than the first couple weeks when you're, you know, when everybody's just trying to figure out who they are.
1: Yeah. I, I've been on the opposite side as you. We know yeah, that. Yeah. We've discussed that. But yeah, I mean, it's hang on. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. I try. I hopefully I, might, I muted my mic. You,
0: you muted before. the mic. Okay. Like I felt like internally, I still heard it because it was a very intense look on your face. It, it hurt. It hurt
1: a little bit, but I didn't want to blow the mics so. out. Okay. All right. I'm good.
0: All right. Anyway, were you going to say something or, or?
1: No. No. I'm okay. uh, sorry. I just sneeze. Okay. I throw up the whole rhythm of the show.
0: Oh no. no yeah. That's We're used to that. That's happened before. So anyway, yeah, look, I, I think Oklahoma is just as capable of running the table as they are of losing two more times. Yeah, and definitely. I, I, think, I think on Saturday, it wouldn't shock me at all to see them beat TCU by 30. And it wouldn't shock me at all to see TCU in possession of the football with two minutes left and an opportunity to win the game.
1: I kind of expect OU to beat them by 30. I think that... I think that coaching staff is embarrassed the way that the first four weeks have gone or the first four games, and I I don't think TCU is that good. I think that I think that TCU is a game where OU kind of makes a statement. They I mean because they haven't done it this year. They have not. Missouri State aside, which take it with a grain of salt because it's Missouri State. They just they haven't made a statement. I, I think a lot of people are down on them, and there's a lot of people whispering about the program right now, at least this season. That I think they need to come out and make a statement. And I think they will.
0: Yeah. Uh, look, I, I think again they're they're certainly more talented, and if you take out just all of the mistakes that Oklahoma, if Oklahoma plays mistake free football, I think this this is the best way to say it. If Oklahoma sta- if Oklahoma plays mistake free football, they'll beat TCU by three. But yeah, absolutely. Like to this point, they've played four games. They have thirty nine penalties on the season for three hundred sixty four yards. That is fifth worst in all of college football. They turn the ball over multiple times every week. You know, to the defense's credit, they've been bad. And a week ago, despite being put in some really bad situations because of those turnovers, the defense played terrific. But, like, I I don't think anybody can confidently say they're going to get a good defensive performance on Saturday. Again, are they capable of it? Sure. But I, I have no idea what we're going to get from, from the Oklahoma defense. And, and when you add the special teams mistakes that we've seen this year, when you add the penalties, when you add the turnovers, like all of those things are reasons why talented football teams aren't good football teams. We see it all the time. There are, there are plenty of talented teams in the country that never reach their potential because they can't get out of their own way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it'll be, uh, I mean, playing Max Duggan helps. And playing a team that doesn't really have any playmakers helps. But, yeah, I mean, if they don't, if they don't blow out TCU, it's only because they got in their own way,
0: like yeah. you said. Yeah. And, and look, I would also say this. Max Duggan is a mobile guy. He's, you know, he's not a great runner, but he's a good runner. He's not a great passer, but he's a good passer. Like, he's one of those guys that in this game is just going to find ways, I feel like, to make plays. He's going to extend plays. He's just going to make some ridiculous throws. Uh, he's gonna have some like third down scrambles that move the chains. I mean, he is, he is the the kind of guy that's gonna be just scrappy enough to probably, you know, make the TCU offense a little bit better than they actually are.
1: It'll be fun. I'm uh too many bye weeks this year. It's killing my uh it's killing my weekend vibe. So I'm I'm glad that uh, we're getting Big Tens back. Uh, is the Pac-12 playing this weekend? Are they next weekend? I
0: think they're next weekend, but I could be wrong.
1: I, who cares? Pac-12 sucks. I don't care about it.
0: Is, yeah, is there anybody that is exciting in the Pac-Twelve? And I feel like most I saw a list the other day of the like preseason top ten players from the Pac-Twelve, I think, like eight of them have opted out.
1: <laughs> I okay, think that's so right. The pa- I mean, I don't blame them because the Pac-12 wasn't gonna play until like right. three weeks ago. Yeah. So uh the Pac-Twelve Eh, who cares but we get big 10 football back this weekend um I'm excited to see Ohio State and Nebraska uh I hope Trey Sermon gets gets some run at Ohio State and does something because I I thought he was uh and I don't know if it was off the field reasons but I thought he was very underutilized at OU uh the last couple of years I thought he was uber talented and just he should have gotten the rock more but um like I said I don't know if that was off the field reasons that he wasn't getting more carries but Uh, hopefully he gets a good run i think justin fields is if ohio state had played a full season he was definitely going to be a heisman finalist if he stayed healthy i'm excited for big Ten football i i I can't wait to see if uh harbaugh completely blows it again and you know maybe gets back on the hot seat i'm excited i college football is starting to feel back to normal at this point which it's, I'm I'm going to be honest, it's been tough for me to really care about college football this year because it's just, it's it's so watered down and we're just, we were missing so many big teams and conferences that outside of OU playing that specific game, it's just been really tough for me to care about, you know, Clemson and the ACC or the SEC game. It's just, it just hasn't been the same. So I'm excited to uh, get back to a little bit more of a normal college football routine.
0: Yeah. The Pac-12 comes back November 7th. So that is their first weekend back. So they still have a couple weeks before they return to action. But yeah, I mean, look, I thought Ohio State I I probably would have put them number 1 in the country if at the beginning of the season if everybody had started the way that it was supposed to. I felt like they they just they they are loaded in every, everywhere. I mean, they just have a ton of talent. Uh I I really enjoyed or at, at least I enjoyed the hype leading up to Clemson-Miami a couple weeks ago, and it took three snaps in that game to be like, okay, never mind. Like, I watched Clemson's defensive line just completely maul Miami for three snaps. I was like, this is going to be a bloodbath. No chance. Zero chance that Miami is able to hang with Clemson. Uh, and, and look, Clemson's offense did everything they could to give Miami opportunities. But uh, that was that, it was fun just leading up to that game because Miami offensively is better than they've been in like two decades with the Eric King and then uh i was really excited for alabama georgia and you know that was a little bit of a letdown but uh it you know there were there were nfl dudes everywhere on those two teams
1: definitely i am so stoked for clemson and alabama in the national championship game again let's go ahead and just let's r- rinse r- rinse uh rinse and repeat that national championship game although i it would be trevor lawrence's last game so you know let's let's enjoy it but Yeah, I don't even know. Future
0: Dallas Cowboy starting quarterback, (laughs) Trevor Lawrence. And coached by Lincoln Riley. I'm making the push now. I'm making the push. Dallas is certainly a bottom five team. There are reports that Trevor Lawrence won't play for the New York Jets. Depending on how the draft order falls. And Dallas inevitably getting a high draft pick. And not screwing this up by being like a six win division champion. That's the
1: problem. Is they're going to win
0: five no, games no, 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 and get the 20th not. pick? They're not. It's going to happen.
1: I, Who in I, that I, division look. is going to win? There's no the Washington, look, Ron Rivera is intentionally throwing games at this point. Uh, Philadelphia is going to start. They're going to pick up somebody off the street to play receiver
0: in a couple of weeks. They're going to get the their shot, guys back. And then they're going to lose them half. The Cowboys like, half aren't getting their game. injured players back. Those guys are done. <laughs> The, I just offensive don't. line is terrible Andy Dalton is your starting quarterback and the defense is the worst defense in NFL history yeah, look there. Dallas has no redeeming qualities outside of well,
1: I don't even know if Ezekiel Elliott's a redeeming CD quality Land. right now outside of the receiving core yeah. they don't have any redeeming no. qualities I mean, Zeke has been especially Monday night he was terrible he's been a turnover machine yeah like I mean I I don't know what what you can say about the Cowboys, but at least they have one redeeming quality. I don't know that any of the other teams in that division have any redeeming qualities. Philadelphia's pass rush is okay. That's about it.
0: Philadelphia is going to win that division. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's between Philadelphia and Dallas. There's no way that Washington or New York... We just need Dallas to finish ahead of Washington or finish behind Washington because Washington clearly doesn't believe in Dwayne Haskins so they're in the quarterback market in the draft I don't think the Giants have pushed the the button on Daniel Jones yet so I think
1: Jones uh, is there Jones is saying yeah
0: I think they are still willing to give him a little more time before they decide that they need to go look for another quarterback so Dallas just needs to finish behind Washington to be ahead of them in the draft order and then everybody else again Trevor Lawrence doesn't want to play for the Jets everything else will take care of itself and look, the Jets are going to go 0 16. I am 100% confident yeah. the Jets are not
1: going to win a game this yeah. year. But I don't know. Man, you know what's crazy that really blows my mind about Dallas? It's the Jerry Jones goes out and hires Mike McCarthy after they have a couple of beers at his house. And we're not even, we're six weeks into the season and McCarthy is from what I the reports, he's already lost the locker room. Yeah, he has. You're six weeks into the season, and this head coach you bring in to replace the guy that was there for ten years that coaching wise on the field, complete disaster. Oh, yeah. But there's, one thing you, there's one thing you can say about Jason Garrett. For the most part of his tenure there, the players liked him. Like he had the backing of the locker room and six weeks you bring in this guy that's old school that is just can't deviate from the game plan. When you got guys that are just, they're great playmakers. Dak is a, he's a great improviser, quarterback position. And this is why Aaron Rodgers hated Mike McCarthy. And part of the, one of the reasons. And I'm sure that Brent Farr felt the same way that he just can't, he can't make adjustments. And he brought in a bunch of guys that are just kind of, they're not really striving. Like Mike Nolan is not a guy that has anything to prove or cares at this point in his career. And it's in 2020, and we see Cliff Kingsbury and Sean McVay and Kyle Shannon. Why are why would you not bring in somebody that is innovative? They, Jerry Jones did it when he took over the Cowboys. He fired Tom Landry and brought in a, Jimmy Johnson, a guy that's just has complete control. Yeah, and at the time was a guy that re, reinvigorated programs and. I, I i just don't get it. i don't get i didn't get the hire last year when they announced Dwight mccarthy i don't get it now especially after you know the players are coming out and saying that he can't they can't coach
0: yeah i i wasn't crazy about the hire but i didn't hate it either because i think when you know when i looked at dallas roster going into the season i was like this they're they are loaded i mean there's talent everywhere bad yeah they should win despite bad coaching right well it, it wasn't even bad coaching to me it was like at least with this guy he's been there he's done it at the highest level like it's not a new guy that's trying to figure out his job on the fly while this team is is ready to win now and when you look at the situation they're in they did nothing they didn't change the offense the offense is still the same. It's still Kellen Moore's offense. It they have zero identity. They don't really know what team they want to be. They don't know how they want to attack teams and they're only really successful all season long when they get put in, you know, a bad situation where they're down by three touchdowns and they have to just go hurry up and just start let, you know, just go out there and make something happen. Like we're beyond game plan. Uh and then the defense, you know, again, I, a lot of people didn't like Rod Marinelli. And and you know, a lot of people did like Chris Richard, but no matter what you thought of those guys, I think it was always fair to say that they were getting the most out of the talent they had defensively. It wasn't yeah. always a good product, but you know, a lot of that was well look at what they're working with. And I think most people felt like they were at least getting a lot out of what they had to work with defensively. And now, I mean, they are they are so bad. They're the worst defense potentially in NFL history by the time this is all said and done. So they've regressed in that department, but it's yeah. He's lost the locker room. Jane Slater's report earlier this week that the players were talking about this coaching staff is not good. They don't know how to prepare and they don't know how to adjust within a game. I mean, that's that's very evident. Uh, they are they are clueless and they haven't got the players to buy in. Nobody's happy with the situation. It's just going to continue to go downhill. So, top five pick, maybe behind the Jets, but Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes.
1: I heard a take the other day that. Uh...
0: It, it it was a little
1: ridiculous, but it also kind of made sense that the Cowboys, the situation that the Cowboys are in right now, it's, it's still Jason Garrett's fault because under that regime, especially in the last few years, they had instilled such a – it's all about the players' uh, environment, like a country club mentality and that the players were higher on the pedestal in that building than the coaches and – Mike McCarthy comes in here and he tries to be this no-nonsense, like, I'm old-school kind of guy, but the players still have that country-club mentality that was instilled under the old regime, which I think probably is more uh, of an indictment on Jerry Jones and the people at the top than the coaching staff, but... Just bad culture. I just thought it it was funny to still bring it back to it being Jason Garrett's fault that in 2020 the Cowboys still are a complete dumpster fire.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean... like I, I, I said, this getting rid of Jason Garrett would be addition by subtraction. Like no matter what you did, at least it was going to be addition by subtraction just because he wasn't going to be there anymore. But I mean, obviously the ghost of Jason Garrett still lives on. There's still, I mean, it, it feels like there wasn't even a coaching change. Like I watch this team every week and it still feels like the exact same team. Like nothing changed at all. That's, that's the biggest issue is the fact that Cowboy fans are watching this team play with Mike McCarthy now at the helm, but nothing feels different. Like, it still feels yeah. exactly the same. Like, the same group, only they're worse defensively than they've ever been.
1: <laughs> poor poor Jason Garrett. <laughs> Daniel Jones didn't have a touchdown pass from week two to week six. Like, he just, like, ugh, man, I feel bad for the dude, because he's a good... I think he's a good dude. They scored I on just, Dallas, though. They did, yeah. He finally uh, got back... Off, got off the schneid there, but man I uh there's a lot of bad defenses in the NFL this year like atrociously bad Houston my god I mean you say Dallas is the worst ever I I don't know Houston gave up 600 yards of offense and gave up freaking night Like they gave up a 93 yard touchdown run
0: and then like the second play in overtime give up like a 55 yard run yeah they're not good but they're not historically bad like I have data to back up my claim okay all right, here yeah. we go. The 1966 New York Giants right now have the record for giving up the most points per game in NFL history at 35.8 points per game. 35.8. That's the highest in NFL history. Right now, the Dallas Cowboys, after six games, are giving up 36.3. That's, yeah, that's, that is, uh, like you said, I, I would agree, that's probably historically really bad. Yeah, if, I mean, again, on pace after six games to be the worst in the history of the nfl
1: man i mean they got leighton Vander esch back so that's a good start not that he really made a difference monday night against arizona yeah i they stink i yeah i mean what i mean what are you supposed to do i mean they it's crazy too because you talk about Jalen Richard. i mean two years ago that defense carried them to the playoffs yeah because i mean they were dumb they were really good two years ago I mean, it, does, it doesn't It does help that you've had three defensive coordinators in three years. I right, know Marinelli was Marinelli was Marinelli, the DC that year, yeah, too. Yeah, Marinelli
0: was the guy, but I mean, a lot of people felt like Chris Richard had kind of taken the reins.
1: Chris Richard, sorry. I've said to Jalen Richard. Defense,
0: but I mean, you know, they had Sean Lee, I think, was healthy that year.
1: Mm hmm. Well, and, we've, talk, we've talked about it with OU. They're they're just they've regressed. Those dudes yeah. that were studs that year yeah. have taken huge steps back. Jalen Smith is terrible this year. Demarcus Lawrence is not the impactful pass rusher that he was two years ago. Uh, Van Vander Esch has been hurt. Sean Lee has had 900 concussions since 2018, yeah, he and he's, he's older. Yeah, right. I mean they lost Byron Smith. Byron Smith is he's good, but he's not a guy that should cripple your defense if you lose him. Byron Jones. Byron Jones. Sorry, yeah. I all over the place. Well, that. I mean Jalen. he
0: was he was an all pro a couple years ago at corner uh he was by far their best corner like nobody ever threw the ball that way because he was so significantly better than anything else they had that nobody tested him and so like they were throwing the ball everywhere else because the secondary is just completely brutal Mm -hmm. and the other problem is they they just kind of built this defense on let's The idea that they were going to be so good offensively that they were going to have leads in every game. So they were like, we're going to go get a bunch of pass rushers and we're going to have the lead. And then, you know, we're just going to unleash all of these pass rushers on opposing offenses. And that's great. And that's a really good idea if you can get leads. The problem is the, the offense has not been good from the beginning. And the only reason that they end up with these monster statistical games are because they fall behind by three or four touchdowns, and they get a bunch of garbage offense, and, and it looks significantly better than it's actu- than it actually is. But it's it's completely counterintuitive because they don't start fast, they have to play from behind, and then the defense isn't able to really use its best players. The defense is built to play from ahead and to use the pass rushers because teams are going to get in pass situations, and when you're when you're not in that situation. It just makes, I think, the, you know, the missing pieces even that much more magnified defensively. So, like, they have, they have no bodies on the interior of that line. And what they, what they do is they get in you know, third and long situations and just put, like, four defensive ends out there and say, yeah. go get the quarterback. But they don't have... I, like I, It took me all of, like, two drives in the first game of the season to be like, they have a problem on the interior of the defensive line their defensive oh, tackle got, like it's it's uh, immediately and nobody first game, that can be serviceable there
1: yeah immediately in that first game la just i mean they were running all yeah. over them the first drive first couple of drives just with ease just and it's not like they had todd gurley from 2016 running the ball i mean they're running the ball with daryl henderson's good and you know malcolm brown's fine like they're fine but they were dominating that dallas defense in that first what did game cleveland, right run, away
0: cleveland had like nine yards of carry in that game yeah, Something was, stupid.
1: Yeah, I don't know. They got to 300, but they were well over 200 yards rushing in that game against Dallas. Yeah, it's it's a disaster. And I as somebody that has hated the Cowboys for my entire life, it just brings so much joy to my heart that the rest of the NFC is still just giving them a big middle finger by being so bad Yeah, that the Cowboys
0: fans legitimately like have to worry about winning the division with six wins. Right. Yeah. Winning the division would be the worst case scenario and then go into the playoffs and getting
1: scenario. absolutely obliterated by the seahawks or somebody
0: yeah like look if 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 you're bad or l- let me rephrase this let's just say you're an average team and you tell me like do you want to make the playoffs or miss the playoffs for a better draft pick i'm always going to choose make the playoffs i would rather win the division i'd rather get into the tournament especially in the nfl you can yeah. hit you can get a stud at- absolutely 50 yeah pick 25 yeah but when you're this bad no way like I I will I I I should rephrase 99% of the time I'm going to pick making the playoffs and winning the division over not being good no matter what the situation is but that's you know in the past we've seen Dallas be average and be in that situation and still get there they're not average they are one of the worst teams in the NFL yeah i don't want that situation i don't want them to win the division i don't want them in the playoffs i want a high draft pick yeah
1: and you know in football it's completely different than the nba the nba if you're an average team you can't you're not going to win four games against a good team right the nfl you have to win four games to win the championship yeah and you can make a run so yeah definitely if you're an average team in in the nfl always try and make the playoffs over you know a draft pick but i see I, I just you don't, don't have I your think, quarterback yeah your offensive I, I, line I
0: mean the tackles are both out for the year
1: well Tyron Smith might be done for
0: the right. his career right um does Zach Martin did they ever say if he was out long term it was concussion uh I mean I think they're better served to just keep him out as long as it takes and there's no reason there's no play. reason to risk anything with him
1: i think that i think andy dalton's gonna play better than he played on monday he was god oh my god he was atrocious monday night i've never i have never seen a veteran quarterback just stare at an open receiver and hold the ball more than andy dalton yeah. did on monday and it, it it's not like he was getting sacked a ton you know he they were giving him some time to throw the ball and those dudes were getting open just stare at him it's so frustrating i think he'll be a little bit better i can't imagine he's gonna be that bad all season but
0: well that was about as bad as it gets yeah i can't
1: get any worse at any level for a quarterback than he goes on monday but i, I mean I, I have to imagine dax they're probably gonna franchise tag dak i would guess you can't give him a long-term deal after he breaks his ankle and you know turns at 90 degrees right but franchise tag him again hell franchise tag him again draft trevor lawrence just write it out read that year out and see which one you want to go long term with
0: yeah
1: are bringing Ryan Fitzpatrick to start and then just crush his heart six weeks into the season when he has Dallas Dude, I'm, all,
0: I'm all in right now on the trade for Fitzmagic why not
1: he's, ba- he's got to be I mean he's not a top 20 quarterback in the NFL but for he's Dallas th- he would be the best backup than than in the NFL
0: like oh 100% yeah yeah
1: he would definitely be the best backup in the NFL I mean, at this I, point look
0: I thought Andy Dalton was had to be considered one of the best backups in the NFL
1: I, I still think and, that was a really good signing for by yeah, Dallas. Yeah, for
0: sure. And and Fitzmagic is definitely better than Andy Dalton, or at yeah. least I think so.
1: No, I think he is too. He's a, he's definitely more dynamic. Yeah. Even at you know forty years old or how old where Ryan Fitzpatrick is.
0: The problem is like Andy Dalton. If if the Dallas offense was completely healthy, it's a good signing because then Andy Dalton only has to go in there and just kind of facilitate things. Right. Because the offensive line is just. A ma- you know, completely dismantled like you need a lot more out of your quarterback and, and nobody's going to be able to do that I mean Dak Prescott was struggling to consistently put things together for that offense again they were able to do it like late in ball games when teams kind of went into prevent mode and Dallas was able to gain a bunch of yardage and score a bunch of points and all that late in ball games but they weren't able to do anything offensively consistently with yeah, Dak yeah. Prescott so they're sure as shit not going to do it with anybody else
1: Look, it it doesn't help too that Zeke can't freaking hold on to the ball. I mean, what? I mean, Andy Dalton comes in. You would imagine the game plan is Zeke runs thirty times, we throw some play action, we score twenty-seven. Well, twenty-seven points is not gonna be enough to win with with the defense they have. But they're like they're they're screwed either way because they get either they get conservative on offense with Andy Dalton, which you would think they should do would be the game plan. And the defense gives up forty, and you lose by twenty. Or Andy Dalton has to be aggressive, and they lose by twenty.
0: Yeah. Hey, whatever makes you lose by the most—that's where I'm at right now. There you go. So, I mean, but but if you're the coaching staff, I mean, my gosh, like you should feel like you have no pressure in the world right now. Like, wow. Try everything. Like it. Like you have literally, you have no pressure. Mike
1: McCarthy hasn't. Can had it pressure. possibly
0: get worse than this?
1: no it can't get any worse right. you're right it can it cannot get worse but i just don't think mike mccarthy cares
0: yeah
1: i mean wasn't the story in while he was in green bay the last couple of years that he was getting a massage during a team meeting
0: i mean i i, I kind of
1: i mean it's a baller move don't, don't get me yeah. wrong yeah i appreciate it,
0: that if there's a sign that you have a coach that doesn't care it's Mike McCarthy. He's the epitome of a coach that doesn't care. Well, it, it feels like he doesn't care because he just, like, basically came in to be almost like a placeholder, and and he didn't really – like, there. his fingerprints I don't f- feel like are even on the team. No. It's the same team as same team. Yeah, exactly. It's the same team, except for, you know, play, like, obviously players don't like him, and they don't feel like he does anything to adjust within the game. So – This dude won a Super Bowl ten years ago, and – I feel
1: pretty confident saying right now in 2020, he's one of the five worst coaches in the NFL.
0: Well, isn't it crazy that Aaron Rodgers at his peak only made it to one Super Bowl?
1: That's it. That, yeah. It's because they wouldn't get him any good players. They still don't. They don't get him any good weapons. And the coaching was holding them back. I mean, they won games in the regular season a lot, but yeah. I think when you have Aaron Rodgers and you only make it to one Super Bowl, that's an indictment on the, on the coaching and the front office and not Aaron Rodgers because it's freaking Aaron Rodgers we don't, all know how good he is
0: did you see any of the Packers Bucks game because after that game ended and they went back to the studio guys they were like I thought I was watching a Mike McCarthy Packers team again <laughs> and I was like damn I mean if there was yeah. ever an indictment on how bad Mike McCarthy is there it is
1: yeah that game was uh that game was brutal but that's I mean hey you know what if Aaron Rodgers is going to do three hip thrusts after he scores a touchdown. That was so we funny all know, and awkward. We all know. You stop after two. He did that third one, though, and uh, guess what? They didn't score another point in the rest of the game. Yeah.
0: That's, that's – uh, well, they ended up scoring that, – that touchdown got called back, remember? And then yeah, Aaron, right. Aaron Jones punched down. it in from a yard because I had Aaron Rodgers, and I was like, yes, rushing touchdown, and then they take it off the board. They run it in, and then Aaron Rodgers literally does nothing except throw interceptions the rest of the game. I was really pissed. But, yeah, that was like – top five most awkward celebrations of all time <laughs> i loved it it was so it, funny I, I, I mean it mean, was great don't get me wrong but it was awkward it was awkward yeah
1: timely too definitely culturally relevant glad to go ahead and throw that out they, so good he had that one in the he's had that one in the uh in the chamber for about seven years now
0: saved in the drafts for a while yeah, yeah. uh how about world series man are you watching it after your astros didn't make it I watched game one. uh, I was actually driving to Austin last night, so I wasn't able to
1: watch. Oh, nice. Um, Yeah, come down here to do some wedding stuff, so I wasn't able to watch game two. Game one was not fun. L.A. just destroyed them. Uh, I think it showed the world, if they weren't already aware of how freaking good Mookie Betts is, and this might be a little lofty of a comparison, uh, especially since I didn't really get to see him in his heyday, in his prime, his true prime, but... I get like real King Griffey Junior vibes from Mookie Betts.
0: Yeah, he doesn't have the power. I mean, you know, that, Griffey yeah, no, was he's not a fifty home run guy. Yeah, but Griffey, Griffey just, was a fifty home run guy. But I, I, almost, I almost feel like he's more like pre steroid Barry Bonds. I can see that. Yeah, like cause I, before just, steroids, Barry Bonds wasn't a power hitter. Not that he couldn't hit home runs, but he was just so good at putting the ball in play. He could hit for average he could get on base he was so good in the field he could steal bases like that's kind of the way that I look at Mookie Betts maybe but but I mean the, the Griffey comparison maybe other than the power is also fair
1: I think that I think the point that I'm just trying to make with a comparison and I think Barry Bonds pre steroids is a great comparison too is that I don't know if it's just because there's less people watch baseball in 2020 but we are just we're not as a s- baseball society giving Mookie bets, he gets a lot of credit he gets paid like he's a superstar but I don't think we're giving him enough credit of just how elite and how much in a sport where one guy doesn't make the difference in a team winning or losing how much of a difference he makes in a team winning or losing because LA has I mean they've been good for a decade they've been dominant for a decade but I mean, he's gonna probably prove to be the guy that puts them over that over that hill and breaks that threshold, and then finally winning. Boston has been terrible without him. The yeah, I think that he's one of those few players in baseball where he is one individual player that can make a team significantly better in baseball, which is rare.
0: Yeah, well, there's Outside not a lot of weakness. starting pitching. Yeah, the dude, like, he's not a strikeout machine, uh, which pretty much everybody in baseball is these days. Everybody's strikeout rate is is just ridiculous but the guy rarely strikes out he's always on base he's a problem when he's on base he's so good in the field and and I think more than anything he's just a guy that enjoys playing the game and you see that almost every time you watch him play and I think that's very infectious for the rest of his team like he's a good dugout guy yeah definitely um,
1: I will say one thing and the Dodgers did it last night the Rays do it all the time one thing that has really taken me out of playoff baseball is the bullpen games yeah i hate that because all my life i've watched watched baseball for over 20 years there's nothing better than a pitcher's duel in the world series like seeing these two studs go seven innings and just dueling back and forth and we just we're not getting that yeah you know we get guys pitch one inning they're changing pitchers they pitch get two outs changing pitchers like it's just it slows the game down it slows the pace down and it's just it's it takes away so much of that excitement and the thrill of watching, like I said, the two two starting pitchers go after each other and just battle pitch 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 for pitch, and the first one to you know breaks loses. We saw last year Zach Greinke against uh, who did the, I don't remember who the national started in Game Seven last year. Was Strasburg. Uh, maybe it might have been Strasburg. I want to say it was either Strasburg or Corbin. Strasburg might have started game six I can't remember yeah, I can't but remember. I, I don't regardless it was a great pitchers duel I yeah. mean we had a, a game seven where we just had two stud guys going back and forth on the mound and I just have a feeling if we get to a game seven in this world series it's just gonna be there's gonna be 18 guys that pitch in that game
0: well if we get to a game seven in this series Bueller will get the ball for a second time
1: yeah uh and and maybe I mean, that Snell was good last night
0: Strikeout wise. He was yeah, trying yeah, to out. Yeah. Dude, Blake long. Snell went from literally being on pace to have one of the greatest World Series performances ever to having the tying run at the plate like five batters later, up five zero, right? They're up five to zero. He's got two outs in the fifth. He hasn't given up a hit the entire game, and he has what, nine or ten strikeouts at that yeah. point? He's pitched four and two thirds with like nine or ten strikeouts and hasn't given up a hit. And next thing you know a 5 to 0 lead with 2 outs becomes a 5 to 2 lead with two runners on and the tying run at the plate you're like this is how crazy it can turn from like i was literally typing the tweet Blake Snell is having one of the most special world series performances i've ever seen and then he gives up i think it was a walk and then the home run and it's 5 to 2 and then i think it was another walk and i was like oh my god like they're literally like one moment away from The tying run being at the plate, and sure enough that happened. They pull him out of the game and like what we saw for four and two thirds is just poof, gone into the air.
1: Shout out to the guy that caught the Will Smith home run, by the way. Oh so
0: fantastic.
1: I don't I don't even like just completely lost his mind. I I don't know if he was just completely wasted or if he was just so excited that he caught it that he just needed to throw something. And at least he didn't choose the baseball.
0: I, pro- I didn't even watch the next probably six outs of the ball game because I was watching the replay of that guy. It was so- and I don't know if you've seen the video, but if you haven't go back and-, and watch it. They're watching him do the dance on replay and Joe Buck, in like complete confusion, is just like, "What?" and like the guy throws the glove and like i was laughing my ass off for again like probably the 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 following 6 outs of the game a full inning i didn't even pay attention to cuz i was watching the replay of that guy and then joe bucks call when he's like that guy's got to be so excited that he threw his glove in sheer ecstasy i mean the whole the whole stretch of that whole thing was amazing
1: that was yeah
0: and there's uh, a debate up. today whether he was wearing Abercrombie or American Eagle. Do we do we know? Ooh, I, I have to go back. Uh, it was definitely a shirt that I
1: probably owned in high school. I'll have to go further inspect it. Could be a Hollister shirt. We could throw Hollister in there as a wild card. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Uh, good move on the uh, MLB to have the luck to have the World Series in Dallas where they can have fans attend the games because that was – that was awesome. Oh, that, that was so probably great. the most entertaining moment of the World Series so far, and uh, in a World Series matchup that I think if you're a baseball fan, it's got to be one that excites you oh, just I from the it. from the aspect. If you have a team that's small market and just fundamentally does everything perfectly against a juggernaut that has a payroll of five hundred million dollars or whatever that you know has just been a powerhouse for a decade. So I, I think it's a David versus Goliath matchup. Yeah.
0: Even I, though a lot of the Dodger talent is, you know, homegrown, but. Yeah, you have a, it's, it's, you know, from a historical standpoint, obviously the Dodgers are one of the most historic franchises in baseball, Tampa Bay, not so much. I mean, they've only been around for like 20 years. Uh, but like, I, I think both teams are very likable in terms of the players on the rosters. And you mentioned Mookie Betts, like he's as likable as it gets. Uh both teams have completely opposite approaches to how to build a roster and and even how to play the game but at the same time i feel like both teams are a lot of fun to watch like there's not a loser in this i think as far as as major league baseball is concerned
1: definitely not i'm sure that they would prefer like the yankees or somebody to be in that world series but as far as uh you know the not the average people watching the uh the world series but I, Tampa Bay winning last night gave me hope that it's going to be a good series because after Game One, I was I was really worried that it was going to be a sweep. Um,
0: it, just for one, eventually the Dodgers have to catch a break and win the World Series. I think the Dodgers are still going to win, but I do too. To think the Rays are out of it even after Game One is crazy to me because the I mean the Dodgers, starting pitching wise, have Kershaw, and Bueller, as far as reliable yeah. starters. And we all know, I mean, Kershaw's postseason struggles are well-documented. He was terrific in game one. But you have two guys that you feel like are reliable starters, and the rest of it is patchwork. They have a bunch of legitimate arms in the bullpen, but all of those guys have struggled and given up some pretty big hits and home runs throughout this entire postseason run. Like, Kenley Jansen is not himself. Who else do they have? Joe Kelly has not been as good as he's been in the past. Blake Trinan, um, Baez... Like, they they have a bunch of arms that just, you know, all of those guys, I think, are on the downhill slide. And then you look at the other side, the Rays can throw Snell, Morton, and Glass now each two times in this series. I mean, they they have a fighting shot. I think the difference, too, I mean, if
1: Tampa Bay is going to win the World Series, in my opinion, it's going to be because, I mean, they're bullpen. They have a great bullpen. Shut down from, like,
0: the sixth on.
1: If you've watched baseball at any point in the past 10 years, you know the most important thing to have during a playoff run is a good bullpen, and they absolutely have that. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I'm more excited after two games for sure than I was before the series because, I mean, Houston lost in that game seven. I wasn't butthurt, but I was a little annoyed because I had kind of gotten on the Astros train yeah. uh, after they came back from being right. down 3 nothing. But it is what it is. Uh, at least they lost to the Rays and not the Yankees. And like the Rays going to the World Series over the Astros is easy to swallow. If it was the Yankees, then I I probably wouldn't even be watching the World Series. To be honest with you,
0: I'll be honest. I kind of after the Astros won the second game, I I was like the Astros are going to come back. I just like in my gut I knew the Astros were going to win four straight. And when it went to game seven, I was like, yep, it's happening. It's going to happen. And the fact that I I also felt like every Astros fan also had to believe, especially going into Game Seven, <laughs> that they were going to get it done, and then to like to basically sell all your Astros stock and then buy it all back three games later, for only nothing. to have to lose again. Like I was like, yes.
1: You know what though? I think it's good for them because uh, car I, they didn't karma wise they didn't deserve to be in the World Series, but I think they proved to people that despite them doing all the stuff that they did they were still an uber talented team yeah they had a lot of really good players that you know played a big part in the reason why they were so successful over the past five years
0: yeah yeah no that's i mean they're loaded all those guys are good players uh you know and and baseball is anyone's game and that's why the cheating thing is so egregious because Those guys were good enough to win it without cheating. Yeah. So when you add that element, it's like, come on, guys. But again, like, we say this in sports all the time, and and this was true of, like, the steroid situation. There's been so many situations in sports where people have done the wrong thing, and it's all about how you handle it once you're caught, and the fact that they were just so dismissive and arrogant to a degree about cheating. Like that's why people were so were even more pissed. Like that's what checked me out was yeah. the way that they responded. Like there, you know, again, like we talk about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in the steroid era because those were the guys that were like, I didn't do it, even though like people have evidence that maybe not foolproof, but pretty much points the finger to saying, Yeah, I think you did. And instead of just being like, you know what? I did. I was caught up in it, like other players have. They've fought it, and they're still paying the consequences for that. Whereas there are a bunch of other players that just said, "Yeah, I did it. Sorry, shouldn't have done it." And like we don't, we don't even talk about them. Right, A-Rod is,
1: he's A Rod is—he's a—he's a treasure in the world right now.
0: Yeah, he—he he right, he, he denied yeah. it, and he nobody liked him for a long time, and finally yeah. he came clean. It was like, okay, everybody just forgave him and moved on.
1: Yeah. Nobody cares that you cheat in baseball. They just care that you lie about it.
0: Right. It's
1: baseball. Everybody cheats.
0: Yeah. It's like when your parent, you know, when you're a kid and you do something and your parents are like, You're not gonna be in trouble if you tell me the truth, but if you lie Okay, that's a lie. That is a lie that. though, because then you admit to doing something and you still get in trouble. But yeah. yeah. That's dude, that's the root of all of this. Because our parents told us if you just come clean you're not going to be in trouble. But if you lie about it, you're going to get in trouble. And then you're like, okay, yes, I broke the cookie jar. And then they're like, you're grounded. You're like, you just told me. Come manipulated on. me. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a load of BS. I, I did that. Like, I believe that like twice. And I was like, mm, no, nah, I'm not falling for that. It took me one time. One time I was like, nope, I didn't do it. Just tell me the truth and you won't get in trouble. But if I find out you're lying, it's going to be twice as bad okay i did it grounded for two weeks i'm like ah i guess that's fair i guess uh
1: they didn't say it wouldn't be bad they just said it would be twice as bad but i'm a kid i'm like okay twice as bad. right well yeah that's way worse
0: it's it's a little bit misleading to the decision making in terms of just admitting it
1: i can't wait until i have kids that i can ground
0: yeah well you gotta wait till like Carter's four now and I, I I don't know that he would understand being grounded
1: yeah he's like you're great Carter you're grounded
0: yeah okay did. okay
1: I don't know what that means <laughs> I'm gonna go play with my trucks
0: yeah like I I you know he he understands no obviously and mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you this because you don't like you don't have kids so you don't know like at what point but he he clearly understands like right and wrong and when I tell him not to do something like he understands that he's not supposed to do it. So when he does something and gets put in timeout, like it's more about the fact that he knows I'm upset with him mm-hmm. that upsets him than the actual timeout itself.
1: Right. He disappointed
0: you. He yeah. upset. Yeah, he upset you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's funny though. That's awesome. I don't want to be in timeout. <laughs> I know you don't, man. But you you broke the rules. <laughs> I told you not to do that, and then you did it in front of my face. Now you have to go in timeout.
1: It's funny. Now. You think you think that uh, you think there's any like adults in jail that are like, I don't want to be in jail no more. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> I don't want to be here. Can I get? Can I please go play? Yeah. <laughs> can I go back to the world? Can I get? Can I go back? I, I don't want to be here. I'm sorry. This isn't fun. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, you know, I remember. I remember being able to make a pretty good case for myself when I was like in a timeout situation or, or grounded. Even like I remember being able to make a pretty good case for myself to get it cut short. So I'm I, I'm not that way at all. I'm. He's like, can I can I be done? I'm like, nope. You're going whole, the distance. I told you five minutes. You're going five minutes.
1: My whole punishment as a child changed the day that spanking quit hurting. Quit hurting. Like i rem- I don't remember specifically, but I know there was a point where like I got a spanking, and I was like, ah, wait, this doesn't hurt, and then I just completely just ran I was like, Oh gosh, that hurts so bad, oh, yeah, oh no, please don't give me another like I just it made I know I made it ten times worse for myself because the first time it didn't hurt, I just started being just a smart ass about it.
0: I got away with that for. I don't know how long, but a long time. I remember getting to that point where it was like, this doesn't hurt. But also realizing like this was my only punishment. So if yeah, if I just... don't play along, it's going to change. And so I remember for a long time, like doing the fake cry after I got the spanking. <laughs> and this one day I remember I got the I got the spanking and I started doing the fake cry, and the fake cry turned into a laugh. <laughs> and i couldn't like i couldn't hold it back and it just turned into a laugh and i was like this is not going to be good and my mom was so pissed that i was laughing we got in the car we drove to hobby lobby and she bought this like wooden rod and we got back home and she was like all right here we go and you could hear that thing like cut through oh the wind oh my god dude that thing hurt like oh
1: did you ever? It hurt uh, so
0: bad. God,
1: that sounds. she even made you go with her to buy it? That's just. Oh yeah. Oh man, that's just a mental. Just like you're just thinking about it too. The whole ride home, you're like, this is gonna suck. Yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, well, because when she the, picked
0: it up, you know, she like kind of waved it a little bit, and you can hear just, it just, just text, going. <laughs> the uh, the flexibility, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're like,
1: uh oh. Gotta make sure that this it doesn't is not break good. in half. Yeah, this is not good. I remember uh a few times like having to go pick the switch off the tree i I only got the i only got the switch like two or three times in my life i'm sure i deserved it i i was a I mean you you know me as an adult i was the same (laughs) i wasn't any i wasn't any better or different but
0: uh, yeah it's uh different times yeah no doubt no doubt i got the wooden spoon quite a few times too that didn't feel particularly great
1: I don't know if I ever got a wooden spoon. I got a belt a couple times. Usually yeah. the belt, just uh, popping the belt was enough to uh, set me straight, but
0: yeah. Yeah, My bro- like I remember, my brother always started crying before the spanking even happened. And I was just, and, and like, I I think he got out of it a couple times because he was so like, just broken before he even got the spanking that they were like, okay. Like he, he learned his lesson clearly, but right. I was never that, I couldn't, like couldn't get there yeah bad 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 I can't go to Hobby Lobby in 2020 and do that
1: I can't go to Hobby Lobby anyway
0: well yeah that's true <laughs> unless you want to go get like a live laugh love sign <laughs> right I mean, you guys are you know what you guys are getting married soon uh, I'm gonna go get you guys a live laugh love sign to hang in your kitchen please do for you guys as, as newlyweds please do <laughs> get us
1: all the sign any sign that you can think of well Uh, i gotta get the one that says kitchen for you to hang in the kitchen kitchen, the kitchen yeah so people know i need to yeah go ahead and uh label every room (laughs) so people know they're in the kitchen
0: (laughs) and then the one that says this is where we eat bless this mass and and we'll yes and we'll we'll hang that on your wall in the That's that's your wedding gift I I, I I have
1: never been married but i feel like that's a staple you gotta have you gotta have those signs in your house once you're
0: married because people clearly just get dumb after they get married and have no idea where to go eat honey where do we
1: eat again How, did you check the walls just look for the sign that says kitchen. kitchen kitchen right there that's funny
0: yeah all right man awesome. i'll let you go i know you're uh you're in austin texas and you got Busy wedding stuff to attend to. So. Yeah,
1: I gotta go uh, try and lock some stuff down. Uh, hey, real quick, uh, let me let me promote uh, my other podcast, my podcast. Yeah, yeah, jump on it. Uh, late night fantasy, fantasy football advice. If you listen to the show back on the radio, we've moved it to uh, the podcast world. It's uh, a lot more X-rated. Um, it's fun. Still great fantasy advice. You can find us on anywhere you can find a, a podcast: iTunes, Spotify. Uh, Google Podcast. If you're a lunatic and listen to podcasts on there, but yeah, uh, subscribe and listen. We put out at least two episodes a week, sometimes three. Yeah, so uh, go check us out on Late Night Fantasy, and then uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to do this podcast again. Um, Do you guys want
0: that... uh, people like hitting you up on Twitter? Yeah, uh, for, the, qu- for like questions yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you ask
1: us questions at Late Fantasy's the show pod uh, show Twitter. And then uh, at Mr. Davis Media is my Twitter. I'll answer a question. I mean, literally, you can ask us questions any time of the day, any week. We'll we'll get back and answer them. Um, even if you have some stupid question about who you should start in your lineup, and nice. clearly you should not start Frank Gore.
0: Yeah, I did that last week, but I also had like six players out. So
1: well, I mean, if, if circumstances,
0: yeah, but. Yeah if you've got other options yeah yeah i had no other options but yeah i yeah i'll definitely hit you up and and you're gonna be joining me uh once a week anyway so uh we'll get some of your fantasy football knowledge on the pod coming soon cool yeah it would be fun i'm excited for it all right buddy take care we'll talk to you next all time right. see ya. Podcast is over.